Breaking It Down with Frank McKay. This is 1039 LI News Radio. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here with a very talented guy, a funny guy. And we're going to be talking about a, a, a very important docu-series to, to watch. We spoke to Reginald yesterday, the producer, Reg, uh, Reginald Hudlin, and we, we got a taste of it. And uh, it, it is a must-watch. Fat Tuesdays, it's, I, to me, it's an important historical record, and, and it really uh, sets up really what happened in the next generation of, of comedians. It is a great story. And Guy Torrey is uh, somebody that's going to discuss that as well. Guy Tory, uh, you're, you're one of the funniest guys out there. You're a very talented guy. Thrilled to have you. You've got to be excited about uh, Fat Tuesday. I am excited. I'm excited for people to hear this story, to hear this journey, and I'm, I'm excited for people to be inspired by it as well because it's a, it's a rocky type of story, you know? It's, a, it's a, you know, rooting for the little guy and the little guy becoming champion, and this is what this night was. This night was... A, a night that was created in the comedy store, uh, the world-famous comedy store, in the smallest room on the worst night of the week, which was a Tuesday night, and it turned into this docu-series. So I'm excited for people to, to, to go on this journey with us and hear this story because too many times comedians are the butt of jokes or we're considered uh, uh, buffoons or clowns or court jesters, but when they see our, hear our origin stories and hear the struggle that we've gone through and the dark places that we, we live in, inside ourselves, I think they'll be amazed at, at what geniuses most comedians are. Not me, but the rest of them. <laughs> hey, listen, don't hey, listen, don't sell yourself don't short. Sell you're yourself. terrific. And, <laughs> uh, you know, you're, you're right. I'm on. only 5'8". I'm only 5'8". So, <laughs> I'm only 5'8". Yeah. Uh, l- let, me, l- let me just tell you, though, it is, a, it is a Cinderella story. It's a rocky story. And uh, you know you've got to you know you've got to look at this and and say how many different places or how many different uh, careers have changed because of what they did on on a Tuesday night. And, and again, I I'm trying to put it into perspective. The the riots were before this, right? The L.A. riots were. Yeah, the riot. Go ahead. Well, Fat Tuesday is, is is here because of the riots. Because the riot the riots were in 1992. Uh, in, in March of that year, I believe, I moved out to L.A. in 90, in 92, in August of that year. And this comedy club, the Comrade Theater, which was a black comedy club in South Central Los Angeles, was the place to go and get black stars and to see black celebrities uh, enjoying a night of comedy. But when the riots happened, everybody scattered. Everybody was scared to go south of Wilshire, which is you go, you're going into the hood, basically. And and so when I by '95 I already had a couple of credits under my belt. I had you know some representation, and I was like, man, it's 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 a shame that a lot of this talent on the other side of the tracks basically are, are not being showcased. So that's what I went to the comedy store and said, hey, can I uh, can I showcase these comedians? And they were gracious enough to open their doors and let us in, and we never looked back. You know, stage time, mic time, is such an important thing for for young comedians. Yeah. Not even young comedians, just any comedians, right? To work. Out. Every comedian, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, l- let me ask you: uh, Were people uh, shying away from from uh, from not only uh, that the place, the venue, but were they were comedians themselves shying away from 
um, from Tuesday nights because there was a black crowd and maybe they were worried. Maybe white comedians, uh, were they more concerned about it or did they they still need the time and they went in there? What was it like early early on and what was, you know, and again, you talked about the reaction to the, uh, the riots. I, I imagine, like, uh, you know, especially guys that have never, you know, been in mixed company. Uh, were they afraid to go there after the riots? To the comedy store? No. No. Uh, Tuesday South Central, night. yes. But Tuesday, well, Tuesday night, I mean, comedians, we do have this brotherhood, no matter what ethnicity you are, what right. gender you are. We do have this brother and this sisterhood going on. And there was some tension at first, you know, because, you know, we were still angry. We were still upset. And we, we were taking our rage to the stage. And and there were some comedians who, it was some black comedians who, who, who feared going up on a Tuesday night at Fat Tuesday. Yeah. But there were the fearless white guys who went up, like Paulie Shore, who mom owned the comedy store. He would go up. Di- Andrew Dice Clay, he was fearless. He went up. Billy Gardell, he was fearless. He went up. And it's, and it's 99% black audience. And Bob Saget was fearless. He would he would go up. And and this is when we as black people discovered Bob Saget was like one of us. <laughs> he was just as edgy. We didn't know that Mr. Full House was edgy like that. And, and and when and when he hit the stage at first, people looked at him strange, like, "What are you doing on this stage? This is Black Night." But then when he opened his mouth and started, you know, with his routine, the audience went nuts. I, I, amazing! I, this is just an amazing, just an amazing story. story. It's got to be, uh, it has got to be watched, and it's it's important, I think, for the uh, historical record. And it's a it, it's a story we just don't we don't hear. And if you guys aren't telling it. And uh, and and this isn't being laid out. We probably aren't going to hear this story. So to me, it's an important part of history, and especially at that time period. Um, you know, a lot of tension, a lot of things going on. Uh, yeah, I listen. It's important. I mean, did you did you look at it when it was being made that it was hey, this is fun or this is enjoyable because I'm part of it? What did you look at at it from the historical standpoint, and and realize that you know. I, Quite frankly, if you don't tell this story, if this story doesn't get told like this in a docu series, um, maybe it's not it's not going to get told. And uh, and in that case, it's, it turns out to be a very important three hours worth of television. Well, it's multifaceted because every side that you just mentioned is a gem, is a diamond. The origin story side, the 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 Hollywood side, the riot side, the division side, the the struggle. The, the side of, you know, where these men and women are today in their careers, uh, what, where, where America was, you know, in 1992. you got to realize the 90s was very dividing, uh, almost as dividing as, you know, the last four or five years. But if you look at, you had the Rodney King trial. Mm-hmm. You had the Michael Jackson uh, trial, which divided America. You had the OJ trial that divided America. It was all these I- incidents that happened that divided America. But comedians, we're the crazy ones who go on stage and laugh about it and find an interesting joke in it and find the, you know, the drop-off. Because the comedy is a straight line and it drops off unexpectedly. And that's, and that's what we do in these stories. That's why this whole cancel culture thing is crazy to me because we don't have malice intent. We don't have – we just see the world – in our crazy point of view. And and you, you can't tell us how we are supposed to see the world and how we're supposed to tell our set. 
and and cancel culture need to be canceled. Uh, but uh, we need cancel culture, cancel culture. So, but it's it's just crazy. And Fat Tuesdays allowed comedians to be themselves and and not censor themselves. Because usually when you're a black comedian, it, we censor ourselves. Like, oh, we can't tell this style of joke, or we can't be ourselves, or we're told you can't say this or say that. And and we don't want to be told what to say. We create this world uh, it, it, on stage, our set. So Fat Tuesdays allowed comedians, male, female, gay, straight, uh, transgender, to go on stage and be themselves. Hey, Guy, you mentioned moving into uh, L.A. I, I think you said 92 or 93. You moved into L.A. 92. If you don't mind, give us a little bit of your history. Uh, where did you start out? And your brother's Joe, right? Yeah, Joe Torrey, who was the host of Def Comedy Jam, also very talented actor, movie couple to Justice and uh, some television series and things like that. He started first, and he moved to L.A. Um, uh, a few years before I did. And me being little brother and always being uh, the one who was following my older siblings' footsteps, you know, did the same thing. I moved to L.A. I was doing uh, working at the WIC office. In St. Louis, <laughs> and those who don't know what WIC is, it's a government program that stands for women, infants, and children, and it's to uh, help supplement uh, kids from 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 in the womb to age five to make sure they grow up healthy. So I was working in the WIC office, and I just didn't see any any growth. And my brother was like, "Hey, why don't you come out to LA and and give it a shot?" And I was going to move to LA and and finish my marketing degree. And I ended up, you know, seeing Def Comedy Jam. I got bit by the comedy bug because I was always a class clown, the campus clown, uh, the school bus clown, all the clowns, right? <laughs> so, and so I ended up coming to L.A. and getting on stage, and I never looked back. Do you remember? Do you remember when you found your confidence on stage? And you, you know, uh, I, I don't know if it's a natural thing for anybody. I, every comedian I've ever talked to, uh, you, you know, have have a different point where it kind of hit them, it's, it's like this aha moment where uh, where it hits them. Hey, I can do this, and I can do this at a high level. I, do you remember exactly when that happened for you? You know what? There's a couple of moments, but actually, it, I can't speak for other comedians, but I can speak for myself. My confidence is fleeting. It's fleeting, very fleeting. It comes and goes. It depends on the situation. It depends on the show. It depends on my mood at the time. But I, I, I can I can remember taping Def Comedy Jam in New York City. I think it was after my as my first appearance. And I I I'd only been doing comedy I think two years at the time. And yeah, well, two years. And I was going to back to the hotel and I stopped at a, a Barrows. Uh, pizza joint to get a slice, right? I'm on Broadway, and you know, yeah. and uh, this dude, you know, brother was, you know, dressed in New York style with the Yankee hat, the Timberlands, and the, you know, the big old goose down jacket and the jeans, big baggy, and he looks at me and said, "Oh, you were the comedian at Death Jam? Yo, you mad funny, son? You mad funny, son? You got love in Brooklyn? I don't know why that." sticks out so much to me because I have so much respect for New York, especially that some of the best comedians come out of New York. I have so much respect for Brooklyn and for that that, that dude to say that to me. I, that was like, oh! Yeah. <laughs> it was, oh, it was euphoria. It. Yeah. I, I mean, I get it. There's no reason for him to say mm-hmm. that unless he meant it. And, yeah. uh, and New York is... Uh, but New Yorkers don't do that. New no, York New Yorkers don't do that. That's what the difference between L.A. and New York. L.A. will lie to you. 
and they'll tell you this and that. New York, straight up in your face, straight, no chaser. I don't need a water bath. I don't need salt around the rim. I don't need a line. Just give me a shot. <laughs> and I'm going to tell it to you straight. And that's why I love the energy of New York. You know, you mentioned uh, St. Louis. Uh, is Reginald from East St. Louis or you're from East St. Louis? One of you is from St. Louis and one of you are from uh, from East St. Louis. Who Who's where? Let me tell you something. If you... If you, if you say to someone from St. Louis that they're from East St. Louis, there's going to be some repercussions and consequences. <laughs> <laughs> I'm from St. Louis, <laughs> which is Missouri. East St. Louis is Illinois. But it's like five minutes across the bridge. So we're still, we're still like the metro uh, St. Louis area. We still, they're like our, our illegitimate child, you know, by another father. <laughs> well, were you, were you doing comedy in St. Louis? Not professionally. I was doing comedy in the break rooms at the jobs I was working. <laughs> I was doing comedy at the school bus. I was doing comedy on campus in the in the uh, in the uh, student center when I should have been in class. So I was I was doing it, but not. I didn't know it was a job. I was that was just who I was and who I am still to this day. People say like, "Oh, you're already acting. Why are you still?" You know, doing mama jokes and playing the dozens with your friends because this is who, this is who I am. I'm not changing, and if you don't like it, then hey, that's good. I'm not changing for you. Do you do you remember the first person outside of your brother that you met that was that was doing this for a living, and uh, and it yes. made an impression on you? Yes, and I it, it was kind of subliminal though. It wasn't like. An immediate impact. I was in college as a freshman, and you know, in college they have those comedians that come and do a free show in the in the student center or some little cafeteria or whatever. And it was Henry Cho, yeah. a comedian from Tennessee, a Korean comedian from from Tennessee named Henry Cho. And I thought he was the funniest guy, man. He was had some funny stuff, but I still didn't see the connection of it being a job, you know. But he was funny, man, and. I, and, and in 30 years of doing this thing, I've never run into Henry Cho. He's still out there working successfully, but I, I, I never met him to say, hey, man, I saw you in 1987 at my college, Southeast Missouri State University, in the, in the student center, in, in the, um, yeah, the student center. Uh, well, hey, listen, I'm going to let you go. I, I think that they need you for, for the next guy, but I'm thrilled to have you. You're, you're a talented guy, a funny guy. We're going to be talking about it, uh, you, as we let you go. Guy, Tori, thank you very much for being here. Thank you, Frank. I appreciate you, man. appreciate your artistry, man, and your time. Guy Tory, everyone, uh, a very funny guy, a... Uh, uh, you know, a, a, a talented guy, and his brother's Joe Torrey, and from Def uh, Comedy Jam um, fame and all of that. And these guys, you know, were right around that comedy store situation while it was going on, and it was a, um, uh, yeah, it was a, a, it was a launch pad for so many different people. Yeah, Paulie Shore, who we've had on this show, a lot of comedians point to him you know he's he's mitzi shaw's son so you know he's you know kind of born into this whole thing and but he you know he would um he gets a lot of accolades from the the comedians i mean mitzi shaw was a legend was an absolute legend and she was the longtime owner of the comedy store and you know paulie shaw got his break and and you know i, I think i'm i'm sure he uh he i've had him on the show 
but I'm sure he's, uh, you know, he gets a little pissed off. He's sometimes the butt of people's jokes, and uh, and they rip into him. Um, but you know, again, the Shaw family, that Sh- the Shaw family, is, uh, is are legends of uh, the comedy store. What this docu series is about? It's a three hour docu series. Uh, Reginald Hudlin. Uh, produced it, and he's been nominated for Oscars and and um, and, and Emmys and, and all kinds of things. Uh, he's he absolutely, uh, uh, you know, a- absolutely a very talented guy. But they put together something that I think is uh, is is important. Uh, it's it's a story of uh, Fat Tuesdays, and it was a, a Tuesday night at the Comedy Store. They threw them this night. They threw these promoters this night and uh and it was uh, you know all about african-american comedians and that was the audience that they were going to bring in and it's in the wake of the riots in you know in the in the wake of the um, rodney king trial so it's this significant time period where and he's right i mean guy brings up uh, uh you know the point that uh it, you know it was uh, you know people were angry people were, were pissed off you know, I, I remember watching uh, the riots on TV. I don't know what that was, 92 or, you know, something. You know, I guess it was 92. And, you know, yeah, they let the, the, the cops go who, who beat the living hell out of Rodney King. I mean, let's face it. It was all on caught on camera, and they beat the hell out of Rodney King. And then they got off, and they were found not guilty. And... Uh, and L.A. exploded. I mean, absolutely exploded. And by the way, p- places all over the country exploded, including New York. And, it, and it's an untold story, but uh, including New York. And, and I know firsthand, and, and I'll, you know, I'll explain, but the, the Rodney King situation, uh, you know, a lot, of, uh, a lot of people watching the riots were furious. When they pulled out, uh, uh, you know, uh, that truck driver, his name was Reginald something too. Um, it was a white truck driver and they, uh, you know, the, the crowd pulled them out, the rioters pulled them out and beat the hell out of them. You know, just for like, like no reason whatsoever. It was just there and, and you know, they were angry. The, the folks were angry. But, you know, some of the people, as we're watching the news, were yelling, free Rodney King, Free Rodney King, in other words, as if Rodney King was in jail, and of course Rodney King wasn't in jail. Um, Rodney King got the hell beat out of him. They, the the recent people were mad, legitimately mad, were because of uh, because of the the cops um, who went way over the top and beat the living hell out of Rodney King, who was he was drunk driving, he was evading police, whatever. But you don't beat a guy like it was ridiculous what they did, and those cops set the whole country on fire with riots. What happened in New York, and I'll tell this story real quick, we were managing a band, my brother and I were managing a band, um, and, uh, and we, had a, we had a show at, I think it was at the bank, that's the name of the club, the bank on Bank Street, was it Bank Street, yeah, and, um, and it, we were ready to go in, and nobody was talking on the news about any riots in New York, and it was the night that all of this was going on. I could pinpoint it uh, to to when the show is. So we we talked to the band and we said, you know, hey, listen, let's let's wait, let's wait to uh, you know to find out what's going on. So and they said, well, nothing, you know, nothing seems to be happening. The uh, the news isn't talking about any riots, and uh, the 
saying it's peaceful and all of this. It's really just it's it's L.A. And I, I forget there was another real hot spot that people were talking about. Dinkins was the mayor of New York, and uh, and what he, what uh, David Dinkins decided to do was uh, was to tell everybody everything is fine, no problems in New York. But what we did is we called the police, we called the closest precinct to the bank, you know, the club, the bank, and we said, you know, can we have to come in there with with a band to play? Uh, is it safe to come in? And they put us on the phone with a public information officer, the, the police station put us, and, and they said that there's, there's activity. There's activity down at, I think they said Tompkins Square Park, but they're moving towards where that gig would be. And, um, and you know, there could, they can't promise that there won't be activity. And they were using all code words, you know, um, you know on, on the riots. And what they basically were saying is, uh, you know, well, somebody came back on and they said, you know, there's some homeless folks who live in the park there and they're they're kind of, um, you know, throwing bottles and they're throwing all whatever. And as we started hearing more and more, we realized it was a riot. There was a riot going on. So we called the band and said, forget it. Uh, We called the club and they weren't answering. And then finally we got a sound man or something like that. And. And I think the sound man said to us, do not come in. It was either the sound man or the doorman. Do not come in. We're closing. It's it's uh, it's chaos. In other words, it was going on. But the, the press was not reporting. And I guess it was Dinkins' choice and whoever the... Uh, the police commissioner at the time was they made a choice let's not you know turn this into a media circus and they said there was no there was no activity but as you call up and you ask specific you ask the right questions you you found out that there were you know there were riots going on and and again nothing compared to what was happening in LA but New York that same night was having the same problems anyway in in the backdrop of that fat tuesdays uh, was born, and I think it's an important story. Reginald Hudlin, uh, we've we've had him on, and now Guy Tory, he and his brother Joe, uh, you know, made an incredible name for himself. I, I would have loved to have Guy longer. Uh, publishers sent me a, a, a text saying, oh, he's got to go, he's going to the next thing. I thought he had longer, but uh, interesting guy, and I'd love to get into it more with him in the future. Very talented guy. Check out Fat Tuesdays, everyone, and it's on Prime. Um, you can see it on Prime Video and and check it out. Uh, it, you know, it's it's an important part of history that if they don't do it, I don't know who's going to do it. Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you all next time on Breaking It Down.